Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. So we'll just see if that's recording. Hi, my name's James, um, and uh, I founded Kim Kong Kimchi. How's that sounding? That's good. That's About good. Right. Yeah, I think just that, that Hit, volume. Hitting some good peaks. That okay. volume is good. Yeah, you can... Oh, brilliant. I can see, I can see so myself. That's so. like the healthy yeah, yeah, yeah. range. If I really... Yeah, even even at that, which I'm not going to shout that loud, I'm not going to peek out. <laughs> good, good, good. Excellent. Um, yeah, so here we are. Um, Molta Gold. And I'm here with James Reed of Kim Kong Kimchi. Thank you so much for having me in your beautiful home. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure uh, to have you here, Jonathan, and uh, to get the opportunity to chat about delicious, delicious bacteria, fermented things, and kimchi specifically, of course. How, um, how, did, you, how did you get into fermentation? Um, it's, it's a good question because I, think, I don't think there is a normal route into uh, fermented food, but mine definitely wasn't a normal route. Um, so, uh, about, uh, oh God, too many years ago, um, I started, uh, a, a pop-up, uh, restaurant, a supper club, uh, with my partner and, uh, we've run meals, uh, every few months we do, uh, different, different meals on different themes, five course dinners, um, with some performers and, um, one time we, we did Halloween every year. We'd always do a different, something different for Halloween, something special. And one time we were doing a B movie themed meal. And one of the courses of the B movie themed meal was the three stages of zombie brain degradation as a vegan course. Cause I thought that would be quite fun <laughs> uh, to do vegan zombie brains. And one of the vegan zombie brain things was a uh, fermented cauliflower, uh, kimchi cauliflower, cauliflower kimchi because uh, obviously cauliflower florets already look a little bit like brains and once they're like all kind of pink from the uh from the kimchi juice they really really look like brains um so that's how i started fermenting things and then i thought well this is really interesting creating like living food um so maybe i'll make a little bit more um and then my wife got me a kimchi uh a traditional like a uh, kimchi pickling pot for christmas which i thought was enormous it was about 30 centimeters tall um you know making more kimchi than I, than, than i'd ever made in the prior three months of making kimchi um so i thought what am i going to do with all this kimchi that i've now made um, and that got me to a uh, kind of shower thought of maybe I could try selling some kimchi um, 
so uh, I, 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 I took it to a local shop um, just 10 minutes from me um, and tried out some kimchi with them. They said, yeah, we're interested, you know, get some labels and stuff. So I did that. And then I kind of um, skip ahead six years and uh, making kimchi is my main job. And we sell it like all over the country in Ocado. And uh, we don't do the supper club anymore, um, but <laughs> I make a hell of a lot of kimchi and that pot now seems incredibly small fry. Can we, can we go back? What were the other two courses? Oh, you know what? I actually can't remember. I, uh, I might be able to dig out the menu and find <laughs> out for you. But in my mind, obviously, the origin story is consolidated and calcified around this one part of it. I've forgotten the entire rest of the menu. So, um, so you, you were, your wife is also a chef? Well, neither of the chefs is our primary jobs. Um, my primary job at that point was uh, working as a writer and journalist. And my wife's primary job uh, then and still is uh, working as an uh, as, as an artist. Um, so for both of us, it was kind of a, a secondary income stream um, doing these pop-up restaurants. Uh, both of us were absolutely fanatical about food. Um, and it was just kind of a way of making that uh, a side gig. Okay. And so you met when... Um at university or we met uh no we met at a party uh about 12 odd years ago um yeah post university and yeah both fell in love through around a mutual love of great food and cooking together um and yeah although with the fermenting i think I've nearly caused an end to our marriage because um, for the first, I guess, year, I think, yeah, in fact, I think my wife might have given me a year of, of like, you can make kimchi in our house for a year as your business. And after that, it either needs to sink or swim because it smells so much when you go and burp all the jars before you come to bed. <laughs> And I can smell on a five minute delay it wafting through our flat and hitting me like a ripe old stinky kimchi punch on the nose. She needs to speak to my girlfriend. Mm. Right, all of mine got... <laughs> it's, it's a real problem, isn't it? It gets pretty stinky. Yeah. She's... How's miso like that? It's, it's actually miso smells, smells good. It yeah. gives you like this sweet, leaves this sweet smell in the air. Yeah, I feel like that's a much nicer smell than kimchi, which... If we're ungenerous, might smell a bit farty. Yeah, no, exactly. And um, no, at the beginning of our relationship, when we weren't living together, um, she said it was sort of hanging between a thread because I had all these jars of kombucha. Oh, yeah, yeah, And yeah. Um, she sent me a meme recently, which was like, when you're not sure if uh, they're jars of kombucha or jars of piss. Oh yeah, I absolutely can see that. Yeah, with the stringy bits kind of <laughs> hanging down. Yeah, it, 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 you you need to garnish kombucha some way in some way with 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 nice vats or something while it's fermenting to make it very very clear. Um, yes, it's not the prettiest while it's on the go. And so this this sort of how rapidly did this little hobby turn into a business oh it it was it was a nice gentle curve but like with some big step ups kind of um so i was making it at home and i was just making it for this one shop and then i i i, I you know took hat in hand my kimchi round to a couple more shops got into a couple more 
um, kind of evolving the recipe at the, at the same time. Like, I, I always set out to make it um, a vegan product because I wanted it to be something that as many people could enjoy as possible. But early on, I was using uh, Dunjang as the kind of uh, fish substitute kind of to have an umami flavour. Um, but then uh, on speaking to somebody, I, I was actually delivering a lot of it uh, myself like to, 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 to customers. And one of them had said, oh, actually, I've got a wheat allergy. Um, is there any way you can make it without wheat? And I, I was looking around and I found, yeah, a, a red akamiso that would be... Um, that would therefore remove the wheat um, and so it would only be soy as an allergen and I thought this is great if we can get it down to just the one allergen of soy um, then brilliant um, so I think that uh, in that early period I adapted things a lot I haven't I unfortunately haven't got all that wouldn't help in a podcast anyway I haven't got my wall of stickers to show you I think I went through about like eight label designs as I remembered more things that I needed to add um, because there's a hell of a lot of legal stuff you need to add once you're distance selling um, all at very certain font sizes. Um, but I think it probably took about over maybe like two years till everything kind of settled into the pattern that it's basically ended up in. And over that time, I think um, one of the big steps is I went from uh, producing in my in my flat um, to co-opting um, from my very generous mother a couple of a couple of rooms at her house. Um, uh, installing like a, a working kind of production kitchen and uh, chiller room in there to hold all the all the fermentation at nine degrees. So in your mother's house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was my mum's house is Malda Kimchi. Um, so, but I, I felt like I had a slightly longer tether with her. Um, How, how's your mother's relationship with your wife? Uh, did, I think did, my did, did my my share? wife was very pleased that it moved to my mum's house. My mum was, 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 was happy to see me more. Um, <laughs> she, uh, I don't know, it was, it was pre-COVID, so I don't know what, whether there was something uh, not firing with her sense of smell, but she, she never complained. <laughs> Although I think anyone who lives in that house in the future will, will always know. I think the kimchi is now baked into the walls it's of her house. Sig- signature. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's deep in there. It's in the paint. It's in the bricks. Um, but yeah, I think one of the big step ups there was um, I approached Planet Organic maybe a year or so in, um, and that was my first ch- kind of chain of stores. Um, and they were interested, but they wanted me to sell to them via a wholesaler, like a distributor. So I got in touch with the distributor, said, uh, Look, I've got Planet Organic interested. Would you be interested in stocking my kimchi? Um, and then I got in with them and from them I got into loads more stores and that kind of really increased the business and I think it was probably around that time that it became a full-time job rather than like a I'm just fermenting sometimes um, and I'm doing a lot of other stuff as well Um, yeah it was about around then that I think it became my full-time job and then it kind of proliferated from there into more 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 bigger stores um, and uh, bigger, bigger batches. Um, just, just for an idea of um, <clears throat> of scale. Yeah. What what volume in a year do you think you were doing at this stage when you went to your first distributor? Gosh, uh, I think back then I think we were doing batches of probably what would now be about one barrel, so about sixty kilos, uh, maybe about fifty or sixty kilos. So maybe about. Uh, 
between one and two hundred jars at a time we were making, and we do that about every two weeks. Okay. Um, and we're now at about ten times that volume. We make yeah, we make more like two thousand jars at a time. Um, yeah, it's 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 one of those things where looking back at it, I was like, well, that was a lot of work. I can't believe how many cabbages that was. And now I'm like, cool, it's another pallet of cabbages. That's fine. This weighs about as much as a car, just in Chinese leaf. Okay, fine. How does um? Sorry, I've got too many questions in my head. Of course, of course. I I want to ask you about like just for the uninitiated like what exactly is kimchi but, yeah. but before that I need to know how what else was it so your supper club with the, yeah. <laughs> the zombie people zombie brains how how did that play out you you played a zombie movie and then you had the dinner or oh no so that one so what we'd always do is the format for the supper clubs which, which was called art for eating I think we we've, we've still got uh, the website up even though we don't really do it anymore um is that we'd always do a different five-course meal and we'd always have a theme, in this case, B-movies, and we'd do bits of performance around that. Um, I can't remember exactly what performance we had for the B-movies one, but to give another example, which is clear in my mind, we, we once did a Henry VIII theme, so for that we had um, three actors, comedians, singers, all um, in kind of costume, and we'd have them kind of do kind of comedy bits and singing and performance, kind of dinner and a show throughout the evening. Um, and yeah, so it was kind of a slightly, to say cabaret would make it sound far more glorious and upmarket than it was, um, but it was, yeah, it was performative, performative food um, with a side of performance. Um, and it okay. was it was a lot of fun. We really enjoyed oh, it. Nice. So you got time. like skits between each course. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and then kind of food to, to slightly thematically match. Um, yeah, it's kind of playful. Okay, nice. You'll have to put me on your mailing list if you ever do Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, we, we kind of moved to a point where we didn't have time with either of our other careers to do it as often as a regular thing, but we moved to a point of just doing it as private hires. Um, and we haven't done one of those private hires for a couple of years now, but um, they are always really good fun when we do. Me and, me and my, my wife, it's really, really fun cooking together um, and devising menus. Um, yeah, it is really, really, we enjoy it a lot. So... Um... Yeah, so kimchi, if you were to yes. explain it to somebody who's never heard of kimchi, where yeah. would you begin? Yeah, um, I think to... So I'd probably start with saying the, the most generally understood kind of uh, concept of kimchi is it's Korean pickled vegetables, and that's, that's absolutely true, it's Korean pickled vegetables, though I think most people think of it as one particular style of kimchi. Um, maybe like most people, if, if you say miso to them, they would think of like a shiro miso, um, when really miso is a lot more than that. I mean, especially as you know, because I, I, I've never seen as many varieties of miso as the, as the numbers you make, which are amazing and diverse. And I think ki kimchi is absolutely the same. Um, it's it's though there's the one type, the beichu kimchi, which is uh, cabbage kimchi, or ch properly Chinese leaf kimchi, uh, made with um, chi chili paste and fermented fish. Um, really. Kimchi can be anything ranging from something that is entirely not spicy at all, uh, like a, 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 a white kimchi uh, made with radishes, 
um, through to uh, something that is uh, Chinese leaf uh, leaves wrapped around uh, chestnuts and uh, jujube um, and pine nuts. Like it's 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 a huge range of things. Uh, I think there's something like 400 different types of kimchi that have been uh, that have been kind of listed in Korea. Um, it's it's a wildly varying thing. I think one of the uh, most helpful quotes I've read about it is um, kimchi is not a noun, it's a verb. It's, it, it's a process, it's something that you do to food, largely to vegetables, um, to preserve them and to improve their flavour, um, rather than being one specific thing. Um, but typically, yes, it's, it's um, pickled Chinese leaf with chilli flakes um, and fermented fish, uh, sujot, or in my case, we use uh, a miso for that instead. And you, you said that you were at one stage using do do and jam. Yeah, That's yeah, like yeah. A Korean miso. A, a Korean miso. Yeah, exactly. A Korean uh, uh, fermented bean paste. Um, yeah, that was where we started out. Which you know, being Korean, uh, felt like uh, the best fit for the uh, for the kimchi. But then, because we wanted to try and eliminate wheat so that more people could eat it, because that was the idea behind making it vegan as well, so we um, had a look around and um, yeah, found this found a miso that also didn't involve wheat, so it was just soy. Um, it did affect the taste slightly, um, but it kind of balances that. You can balance that with a little bit, uh, little bit more sugar because the donjang is a bit more salty so you can play with that and reduce the salt in the kimchi um and the miso is slightly less savory but then in the in the kimchi because the kimchi through fermenting itself ends up so savory in the finished product that doesn't make too much of a difference and then the other ingredient that um you see around a lot is Gochugaru? Yeah, gochugaru, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is absolutely crucial, I think, to uh, to kimchi. I think there's some other kimchis that I've seen on the market that sometimes referred to as kimchi krauts, um, which is slightly kind of red sauerkrauts. And I'm not always sure whether... They certainly don't always taste like they're using um, gochugaru, which has such a really specific flavour. It's these... Um, coarse or usually coarse cut um dried chili flakes um which are they they just have this lovely kind of smoky flavor it's it's something you come across also both in korean and chinese cooking where you're using chili um not just for heat or really even not predominantly for heat but for flavor and they have such a nice flavor and i think it's really really key to to that to the style of kimchi that we make is that flavour of the chilli in it, rather than just heat from chilli. Um, like, it's, you're not making a hot sauce. The aim is not to add, to, to primarily just get spice. It's to, to have flavour. And I think the gochugaru is so key to that. And the other thing it also does, of course, is it adds colour. Like, gochugaru chilli flakes have this amazing deep cherry red quality to them. They're, they're just the most glorious colour. Um, and that's really imparted on the, on the kimchi. They really spread their colour all the way through the the kimchi in a lovely way um however on the downside uh gochugaru also has this amazing quality that it acts like uh edible glitter 
and it ends up absolutely <laughs> everywhere. And, and when I'm making kimchi, like I'll, I'll find, especially once it's kind of mixed through the sauce, as you're kind of like stirring it quite uh, quite um, vociferously, it can end up all over the place. I found like specks of like gochugaru in my glasses, uh, like, you know, later that evening, it just gets absolutely everywhere. It's, it's really um, pernicious stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny when, because it's not it's not really similar to any chili flakes that I've ever seen. It's it's so soft, like the, mm, the texture of it. Yeah, yeah, they are really unique. It's 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 a really special thing, um, and I think it is probably to me one of the it's it's the real star ingredient of that style, the Baecha style of, of of kimchi is is really though you think of it as the cabbage. Um, I think actually the thing that really uh, identifies it to me is that is that chili flake because it has such a nice flavour and such a bright colour. Um, yeah, it's a really really important ingredient. Uh, um, is it is it smoke? Do they like hot smoke it to dry it or? I'm not sure that it is smoked actually. I think it's just dried. I think it's just one of those things where it brings out the natural character of kind of smokiness in the chilies. Right. Um, in the same way that with I think it's. Uh, Forgive me, I might have got the, the name wrong. I think it's Urjingtao, uh, uh, Chinese chilies, also have that same quality to a degree. And also Kashmiri chilies slightly have it, um, which if, if you're ever in a... If you're, if you're making kimchi and you really can't get hold of gochugaru, if you can get either of those, uh, Kashmiri chili or uh, Urjingtao chilies are also are also good but unfortunately you can't as far as i've ever seen you can't usually get those as chili flakes so you'd have to flake them yourself which is a bit of a pain um but uh yeah it's i, I think um it's just a natural smokiness rather than being smoked but feel free to please get in touch if i'm wrong about that i, I, I might be incorrect but i don't think they're smoked the um on your website it says the style of kimchi you make is it jule or j I might have read that wrong. Oh, do I? Baechu kimchi, do I? Is it you? Hmm. Can't remember that. I haven't got my computer on. Sorry, can't check. No, sorry. I, I haven't looked at my I website might, for a while. I might have, Terrible. I might have misread that. <laughs> the, um, this last year, you said you've been working on this um, this paper, this book. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've got a book coming out uh, next year in 2023 um, called uh, uh, Of Cabbages and Kimchi. Uh, practical guide to um, the world of fermented food uh, which uh, I'm very excited about it's been a really really uh, fun and interesting journey uh, learning a lot more researching a lot more about um, all kinds of fermented food and um, and so you, you it's sort of like a historiographical journey or? yeah it's kind of a, a history a culture but also a lot of the science about uh different fermented foods ranging from um soy sauce to vinegar hot sauce uh kefir kombucha kimchi all sorts of good stuff in there but yeah covering everything from the bacteria that's working in there um how it's working, what it likes, why it works, um, through to the history of how these different fermented foods and drinks were discovered and how they were used traditionally um, to where they're at now, um, which I think all fermented foods, have, all, all the ones that I've read about all have really, really interesting journeys. Um, I think in, inherently because it's one of those things 
where if you think about it, um, and using another non-living but also fermented food as, as an example, it's a bit like coffee and you know you drink coffee many of us drink coffee I certainly do every day and you don't really give a lot of thought to the fact that if you came across um, uh, a a, a coffee cherry in the wild you wouldn't think hmm okay how about if I leave this to rot in a slightly controlled way for a while until all (laughs) the kind of fruit comes off and uh, then I roast it, and then I grind it down, and then I mix it with hot water. I wonder if that'll make a nice drink. Um, I think a lot of fermented food is like that. Really, it's, 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 it, it takes so many steps to get to um, in terms of the original recipe creation. That it kind of, they're all kind of miraculous um, that you end up with something brilliant uh, at the end of it. Um, I mean, ranging from the very simple, like tapache, is really just, and I, I love this so much because it is so simple and also uses food waste, which is brilliant. You just take a pineapple skin um, and uh, eat the pineapple, keep the skin, put the skin in the jar, add some sugar water and a cinnamon stick if you're feeling fancy, and just leave it in a slightly warm place um, for a few days and you're going to have an incredibly delicious drink at the end of it. Through to something like uh, soy sauce or miso, where the process is so, so, so much more involved and there's kind of so many points along the way that you have to know what to look for. You need to um, know when to stop it, uh, when to increase or decrease the temperature in order to get it to come out right. Um, And it is, yeah, it's amazing some of these things have ended up uh, on our plates. Yeah, it's mind-blowing. Do you track at all the like the the history of chilies and where they they came when they came to Korea. Yeah, yeah. So I do in the book but not actually um so much in my chapter on kimchi. It does come up a little bit because I I I I talk about the fact that of course though as I was saying we think about um chilies as being inherent to kimchi. Actually there's loads of types of 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 delicious kimchi that don't involve chili. So I do touch on it there, although on the chapter in hot sauce, it's a much bigger thing, um, uh, talking about kind of uh, capsaicin and the way chilies work and how we've kind of turned a defense mechanism in plants into actually uh, a a positive um, for for humans. Um, And uh, yeah, the... the, the exchange, the, the, the European South American exchange, um, and the arrival of chilies into Europe, um, and, and thence onto the rest of the world. So yes, I go into the history, uh, of that and, and the kind of food journey, but more in my chapter on hot sauce. And, um, I was listening to a podcast earlier this week about the sense of taste and, mm. how, and they were saying how, um, from chilies and the capsaicin, it's, it's more like a touch cause it's just, it's heat and mm. it's, um, yeah, pain receptor. It is. It's exactly that. It's 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 a really specific uh, receptor uh, that's I say on your tongue, but it's also in your skin, in your nose. As anyone who's handled chilies a lot will know, it's 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 in all sorts of places that you don't want to get chilies. Um, but it's a really specific receptor that detects heat from. Oh gosh, I would have to look it up. It's between something like forty and sixty degrees, and you have different receptors for different heat levels. Um, which is, I guess, how we know how, how warm something is. I mean, I would have imagined before reading this that we just have a heat receptor that goes, that's really cold, that's really hot. But actually, we have different levels of heat receptor for different things. 
and it just happens that capsaicin just really nicely slots into the uh, receptor that triggers for, I think, 40, around 40 to 60 degrees. Apologies if I've got the totally wrong. It's around that level, which is why it literally feels like your mouth is burning because your receptors in your mouth are going, oh, right, yeah, we've, we've, we've got some, some kind of mild uh, fire going on in here. <laughs> I'd, I'd love to... Um... I know you you understand quite intimately the actually the microbial goings on in the the process of kimchi making. Are you able, are you able to um, explain that for somebody who doesn't know? Yeah, anything? absolutely, absolutely. So basically, uh, to to step back, whenever you're fermenting, really what you're doing is you're creating um, an environment that's hospitable to certain um, microbes, bacteria, yeasts. Um, good good food kind of bacteria that, that, that are useful to us and you're also trying to simultaneously create uh, an environment that is hostile to uh, bacteria that we don't want pathogens um, and in the case of uh, kimchi like with a lot of fermented foods the way that you do that is you uh, create is you add add enough salt basically you create a saline environment in whatever the, the thing you're fermenting is, in, in, in this case, say cabbage, um, so that you're excluding anything that's negative or bad, um, but you, you're allowing certain bacteria which can thrive uh, in, in higher salt environments. Um, in the case of uh, kimchi, there's a, there's a couple of different bacteria. Pause. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> Completely slipped my, my mind their Latin names. Um, having having a brain fart while we're recording, um, but there's there's that's okay. Flicking through my book here to remind myself of a name. This is a um, two, a two inch wedge of uh, of paper that of, of, of heavily annotated uh, <laughs> papers. If you just let me consult my notes for a minute. Oh yes, yeah, second chapter. That's right. You said you just got these back from your editor. Yeah, yeah. My editor is is very helpfully um, giving me a, a lot of feedback. Basically, going this doesn't make any sense to somebody who hasn't fermented food before. What do you mean here? Or um, why is this not in chronological order? This history. Very helpful things like that. <laughs> or um, you know, James. Nobody knows what you're talking about. Sort it out. Um, when um, before you started kimchi, you said you were a writer. Were you were you a journalist? Or you were... Yeah, I was a journalist um, r writing kind of uh, pop culture um, and uh, everything from um, films and uh, music um, through to events. Um, yeah, working on like editing a couple of online magazines. Um, so it's really nice to have gone full circle back round to writing again. Um, but this time uh, about uh, fermented food, which is absolutely thrilling um, and been a lot of fun. I've now found my, my, my bacteria names. I can give you the Latin names, which I know everyone's thrilled to hear. Um, so yeah, Lycanostoc mesenteroides is, is the main thing that you're gonna get first when, when you're fermenting uh, kimchi. Sorry, say that slowly. It's Lycanostoc mesenteroides. I think the pronunciation, I mean, it's Latin, it's a dead language, what's pronunciation? Um, 
but yeah, that's that's usually the first uh, bacteria that you're going to be getting, um, it, it, which is a lactic acid bacteria. Um, and what that does uh, when it arrives is it starts to bring down the uh, the pH, so it's making uh, making your kimchi slightly more uh, acidic. Um, and after it creates lactic acid, which is which is acidifying your your cabbage and carrot and other vegetables, it then allows um, a kind of a whole host of other bacterias to to kind of take hold. Um, while excluding the ones that we don't want. So there, there's really a huge range of bacteria that you do get in kimchi. I think at least 51 species have been identified, but the, one of the main ones um, is Vacella or Vacella, uh, Coriensis, um, and oh, there's another, there's, I think there's a couple of species of Vacella, um, and they're kind of helping with other, kind of creating other flavors within the, within the kimchi. But also what, what both these bacteria or all these bacteria are doing at the same time as creating acid is they're also creating a lot of CO2. So they're making the kimchi um, fizzy, uh, which is why when you, um, when you open a jar of kimchi, you'll often find it's really fizzy um, because it's produced a load of carbon dioxide. It basically just shows you that the kimchi is doing exactly what it should be doing, which is still fermenting. Um, and this is something that's true of uh, not all kimchi. Some kimchi is pasteurized, which means it's killed by heat um, at the end of production so that it will be shelf stable and you don't need to necessarily keep it refrigerated, which is great for like food storage and transportation. Shops love it. Um, but it's not such an interesting product, I don't think. Like it means that it doesn't it doesn't have a fizziness. It doesn't have the same kind of flavor on your tongue. Um, and really, my whole book is because there's a lot of fermented food. I mean, breads are fermented food, beers are fermented food, um, coffees are fermented food, as I was saying. Um, but really, what I wanted to focus on is uh, living fermented food. So things that, when they get to you, are still uh, still fizzy, basically. Um, and the reason for that fizziness is, yeah, it's CO2 production, um, carbon dioxide being created by the bacteria as they're happily munching down all the sugars um, in wh whatever it is, in the case of kimchi, your, uh, your, your vegetables. Um, and so when you get a fizzy jar of kimchi, um, it, it's a great sign, basically. It means that the bacteria are working hard. Sounds... Shows that it's working. It shows that it's working exactly. Um, although also another factor of this is temperature. Like basically, uh, the warmer the bacteria in kimchi and almost any other ferment are, the happier they are. Up to a point at which they get too hot and um, they're not so happy. But generally, they'll be happier at a room temperature or warmer, and that means they work faster. They produce more CO two. They fizz more. Um, so if you do ever have a jar of kimchi that's a bit too fizzy, and I've, I've, I've had customers contact me and go, my kimchi is way too fizzy. It's, it's trying to escape from the jar like a, <laughs> one of those like toy little boxes of snakes that pops out. Um, if you want to make your kimchi less fizzy, basically just stick it in the fridge for a couple of days. Um, like all fermented food stuck in the fridge will calm right down and it kind of slows the fermentation process right down to a crawl. Uh, whereas if you ferment things at room temperature, they really go like the clappers. They really, really ferment fast, which is, so with our kimchi, actually, when we ferment it, I, I said, I, I built like a, a, a cold room. We keep it at more like a cellar temperature, which, um, so around like 11 degrees or so. Um, 
and this kind of slows the kimchi fermentation down and it also means that you get rather at higher temperatures you just get loads of co2 production um whereas at slightly lower temperatures you get more bacteria working uh more in harmony um rather than uh j just the co2 producing strains really kind of racing ahead and thriving so kind of by slightly keeping the brakes on it at a lower temperature you end up with um more bacteria producing a more complex array of flavors um, yeah, so when we do our kimchi, we ferment at about uh, 11 degrees uh, for a longer time. We ferment for like nine or 10 days. Um, whenever it's ready, it's ready. Um, though at home, if you want kimchi done quick, you can ferment just at room temperature and your kimchi will be ready in about between three and five days. Um, but it's really interesting. It's a big like control lever you have with with fermented foods is is the temperature you ferment at. Although usually you know if you don't have a cold room, you or you haven't built a kind of a fermenting chamber, you'll be limited by whatever the temperature of your house is. But it's an interesting thing. It means that you kind of you can ferment with the seasons um, and different. You know when it's really hot in the middle of summer, uh, you're going to get things ferment really quickly and they're going to taste a bit different to if you ferment them in winter and your you, your house is that bit cooler. Or if you know you've, you you happen to have a cellar and you can ferment them at eleven degrees, you'll get you'll get different flavours coming from your kimchi or whatever else you're fermenting. Yeah, I love I love that about um, misos. It's mm. traditionally the twelve month misos made in spring, and so the enzymes sort of get to know each other in in the cooler temperature, and then in the summer when it's hotter, all the lactic acid bacteria wakes up, and then in the winter it sort of all calms down again, and you get that. That orchestra of different different flavors that's enzymatic digestion as well as lab yeah um, exactly exactly i think this is this is this is really key and it's basically it we now and I, you you would assume now you can you can control that temperature obviously we can control it artificially but actually all you're doing is trying to recreate something that would have done been previously be done by seasons and in the same way that, that with, with kimchi actually the way that kimchi would generally be done traditionally is that you would um, bury your kimchi in a pot in the ground um, and the reason for that is you do this uh, in, in around autumn time and so the kimchi would kind of keep in almost a natural fridge over winter um, but being below ground rather than above ground, the, the, the soil would act as a, a kind of insulator, so it would never quite freeze, um, but it would just really slow it down, uh, the fermentation, and keep it at a more particular temperature. So yes, you, you, you'd usually be doing that with kimchi as well. Amazing. And um, for, the, uh, for the future, do you have any plans for different products or are you you're going to be focusing on more writing or mm, it's, it's, a, it's a good question i've always said that i wanted to uh kind of do one thing really really well with the kimchi and and you know we, we as i say we evolved it over over the first year or so um just trying to make it as well as we could make it rather than going into different flavors now, I, I wouldn't say now that I'd never do another flavour, um, but I, so far my interest has been like in, you know, really quality controlling and making sure that we do this one kimchi as well as we can and then make a lot of it and get into as many people's hands as possible. Um, but, uh, then, yeah, then I've, I've, I've had a lot of time taken up with, uh, with uh, 
working on this book, which would be really fun. I'd love to do some more writing, um, but, you know, uh, that's not to say that I wouldn't create another uh, kimchi in the future. I certainly make make other kimchis uh, and lots of other fermented things at home, um, but uh, without the pressures of needing to uh, get them into shops, it's a different kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, I saw um, James was showing me earlier some amazing soy sauce that he's had on for, is it... A year or two. You I think it's it. I, I started it before my daughter was born, so actually that gives me a pretty good beat. And the fact it must be two and a half years old now uh, that it's been fermenting away in my cupboard. Um, it is very thoroughly broken down soybeans, um, and it does taste pretty great. Although obviously in that way of like the longer you keep something, now it's kind of dosed out in really small amounts, so uh, it becomes more and more precious, and it might end up uh, never being finished. Um, <laughs> I had started a new batch just a couple of weeks ago, uh, so so that can kind of take over um, in in the long, slow f- f- uh, progress of uh, of fermenting soy sauce. Well, you you know desire to leap into the make a soy sauce factory. Absolutely not. I think if the one thing that making soy sauce has taught me is a huge respect for making soy sauce. It is not easy, and it is very, very, very slow. Um, uh, my absolute hat off to you making making me so um, f- for people beyond yourself and your family because it is very involved um, it's tough it's 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 really uh, tricky stuff and I think there's there's just so many so many points to control it at um, whereas kimchi kind of it's not set and forget but once you once you've made enough of it and maybe this would be the same if i made enough soy sauce um you put in the right amount of salt you 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 mix all the other ingredients in in the right ratio um and it's relatively forgiving after that like i've got to say i've never ever and i've now made i don't know in the mid hundreds, maybe 150, 200 batches of kimchi. And I've never ever had one really go wrong. I've had one once early days when I wasn't doing temperature control come out. It was a little bit slimy, which I now know is something called dextran uh, production. It's where you get like long, long um, chain sugars, um, which make it a little bit loopy and a little bit snotty. And actually still isn't dangerous, still good to eat, although I wouldn't sell it like that, obviously. Um, but yeah, apart from that, which was kind of a weird anomaly, I've never ever had a batch go wrong, um, which is kind of remarkable with something that f- feels as kind of slightly magical and um, not qu- entirely controllable as fermentation. Um, yeah, kimchi is actually very, very predictable. The um, the long chain sugars, mm. you know in anything more about how those come up? Or it's... Yeah, so you tend to get it more in... Um, in ferments that have more sugars in them already um, and it tends to happen at higher temperatures um, and it's just the certain, I can't quite remember which bacteria, but certain like lactic acid bacteria that you would want anyway, um, just kind of switch mode and start producing these um, these these kind of, uh, yeah, these, these longer chain sugars, dextran I think is the main thing. And it's actually uh, the same stuff or similar stuff to what I think you get on uh, seaweeds and things like that, which is then kind of, which is used industrially to, to thicken other products. Um, it just comes out a little bit like egg whites. Um, yeah. But in, 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 in the context of like sauerkraut or kimchi, it's not, it, 
it's not a nice mouthfeel. It's not what you're after. <laughs> Though actually, weirdly, they tend to break down within a few few days. So if you ever are making uh, making something fermented and it suddenly goes weirdly egg-yoky, even uh, egg-whitey, even though you've added no egg whites, um, just let it ferment for a few more days. Try and bring the temperature down a bit and, and, and leave it to ferment for a few more days. And they do tend to just kind of um, break down uh, again and, and go away. I um the one one other question that I wanted to ask you at the beginning was where where did the name come from? Kim Con Kimchi. Ah, oh, um, it's it's a good question, and it kind of came from just playing with 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 words that that alliterated with kimchi. I've got to say, there's there's no great meaning behind <laughs> it. Um, there's certainly no allusion to an an a large uh, fictional gorilla whose copyright owners uh, definitely don't make any fermented food products right now. Um, <laughs> no, it was it was it, it was generally just um, playing around with different words. Um, I think early on, actually, I was thinking about putting a big uh, kind of cabbage cabbage head uh, mixed uh, with morphed into a gorilla. Um, on the jar, uh, and after about three days of working on it, I realised I'm actually not an illustrator, and it was terrible. Um, and I, I stuck to just keeping the the, the the name on the jar instead. Um, but yeah, it's 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 it, I suppose it's just um, it's just some. No, I quite I quite like it. It stands out on the shelf. Yeah, this is it. I think I I was uh, between the whole the, the name and and the brand design. I was looking for exactly that something that stood out because I was looking at other other kimchi's at the time, and I think all of them lent quite heavily on um, being gentle and natural and green. And obviously, you know, our fermented our kimchi's obviously also also natural. But it's it's not gentle. I don't think. I don't think kimchi is gentle product. It's quite um, it's it's quite forceful. It's 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 exciting. It's vibrant, and I wanted to reflect that in 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 the packaging, um, which is why we went for yeah a, a slightly Fred Flintstone I guess esque font. Um, it's like it's a bit more playful and nineties with it. Um, the, the, rather than something that's kind of gentle and curlicued and you know dainty, because I don't think that is kimchi. <laughs> my um, my last question for you is: there somewhere you would recommend using kimchi? I, it's it's. I didn't realize how much, how big a part of the life my life kimchi was until I started doing these live um, uh, lunch uh, things on Instagram. And I think like five out of six of the videos, kimchi's ended up on the on the plate somewhere. Yeah, where, where do you use it when you that cook? that that is exactly exactly the right attitude, Jonathan. I think kimchi can go almost anywhere. It's it's amazing uh, how much stuff it really does fit into. I think it's it's one of those foods that actually works um, remarkably well in fusion. Um, I think I think obviously it's fantastic just with just on its own or just with um, a, a, a nice bowl of. Um, steamed rice is really really good um but also it works basically with anything fatty um in the way of uh, quite a lot of like sour type fermented food like it gives you a really nice cut through 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 richer richer foods so it works really nicely um you know a lot of a lot of cafes and things do kimchi's uh grilled grilled sandwiches and it works really nicely with with with, with cheeses because of the way it cuts through it 
Um, it goes really uh, like a, a, a traditional and, and really lovely autumnal dish um, that, that, that I really like making is kimchi jjigae, which is a, a kimchi stew, which you would make with uh, tofu, potentially uh, you'd make it with a pork shoulder, um, you'd uh, mix in some, uh, some vegetables. It's a really nice uh, slow-cooked uh, stew, and it really, really, it's it's great for using up old kimchi in particular. Which, when you have a lot of kimchi, you end up with old kimchi, of course. Um, and you mix the kimchi in at the beginning. And yeah, you mix together. it in at the beginning, and then it cooks uh, uh, for, for quite a while, and all the flavors mingle. It's it's quite a different way of serving kimchi. But also kimchi pancakes, kimchi jian is a, is another traditional way of serving, which is really nice. Just uh, kimchi chopped into some uh, savory pancakes, really really good. Um, it's 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 a very flexible ingredient. I often have it for breakfast actually, which is weird given maybe uh, that it's such a savory thing. But it goes really nicely again, maybe because of the fattiness with avocado. So like kimchi avocado toast is a really really nice combination as well. Um, I once had a customer buy my kimchi off me and then send me a photo of kimchi with oatmeal, which for me is a little bit far. I don't know if that's that's going to take off in the wider world. As a breakfast. As a breakfast, yeah. Um, yeah, I think she might have been the first person, though. Please please write in and let me know if you've had uh, kimchi with your oatmeal as well. Uh, that you might be this one lady uh, who I'm now talking about in this podcast. But um, yeah, I think I think kimchi does, is a really really versatile food, like remarkably versatile. It does go with a lot. Um, yeah, in the same way that pickles pickles work in like pickled gherkins work in sandwiches. It's just a flexible way of like providing like I think this is probably why because it hits sour, it hits crunchy, it hits spicy, um, and those can just that combination of flavors works so well and so with so, as a as a complement to so many different things. Amazing. Mm. Um, and where where can we get your kimchi if we want to buy it? Great question. The question I've been I've been hoping you'd ask, Jonathan. <laughs> Thank you. Um, uh, have a look on our website. We've got a stockist locator on there. Um, we've got a load of uh, load of shops that sell us uh, throughout London and southeast. The largest ones being um, Whole Foods and Plant Organic. There's lots of independent retailers as well. Um, or across the country, we're now sold through Ocado, so you can find us on Ocado, uh, and please leave us a review on there if you enjoy our kimchi, it really means a lot as a, as a small business. Um, I think, yeah, we're also on Amazon, Fresh, um, yeah, you can you can get us in all sorts of places, but yeah, check, check the website for updated information. And is it possible to eat too much kimchi? My marketing department say absolutely not. <laughs> James, thank you, uh, thank you so much. Thank you, Jonathan. Um, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you for letting me talk about kimchi and fermented food. Um, it's been so much fun, as it always is. It's such an interesting topic. And um, thanks for letting me try your delicious miso, which is so, so good. I'm excited. I'm excited for the book. Um, yes. Is there a website for that? Or There is not a website yet, um, but if you Google uh, of cabbages and kimchi, I'm sure one will come up. So I've set it up. <laughs> nice one. Cheers. <laughs>